It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. Monday edition on The Guy Benson Show. Glad you are here with us. And boy, did we hype it enough. Christmas party from Saturday night. We talked about it really for weeks on and off and then in earnest quite a bit Thursday and Friday last week. And I will say from my perspective, I'm biased as the co-host with Adam, but we talked about it. We did the after action report the next day. I think it was great. I think it was a big success. It was our biggest party yet. We had 94 people in the house which is a lot. We were nervous because the RSVPs were 112, 113, and there's always attrition. So the number was 94. How did we get that number? We have one of those ring doorbells. So Adam went back and counted every single person and actually witnessed some hilarious things of people as they were arriving and leaving because there's a microphone too. So we got to see producer Christine, for example, fighting with Bobby, her husband, about whether or not to just open the door or to ring or to knock. And Bobby wanted to just come in. And Christine was like, Bobby, don't. And then he opens the door and they all walked in. We got to relive that special moment when we were counting the guests. But it was terrific. We went until I think our final guests left at 1.30 in the morning. Believe it or not, that was not producer Christine. She was not the, the last hanger on. But it was great. The people that we brought in to help us were fantastic. Really fun to see so many of our Fox colleagues and my colleagues at Town Hall also show up. And a good time, it seemed, was had by all. But again, I am biased. I was doing my best to be a good host. And my biggest regret from the evening was not getting to spend more time with more people. Because obviously these are all of our friends. So you want to maximize time with everyone, but you have to make sure that you are at least seeing everyone and making sure the guacamole has been replenished, right? And make sure that the extra supply of long drink has been opened. We went back. So we had purchased 48 bottles of wine, 44 of which were consumed which is pretty wild. That's a lot. Now, in terms of what people brought as gifts, we now have 26 new bottles of wine and other bottles of liquor. And I want to thank everyone who brought gifts. Very nice gift from Wyatt. Nice gift from producer Christine. Maxie brought a clever gift that we really appreciated as well. I will add Dan, our new engineer, couldn't make it due to a prior commitment which is a bummer for us, but he made the right call not coming. Got to keep the girlfriend happy, period, right? So I I fully endorse that decision. But we had 44 bottles of wine consumed. We had 80 beers that we had purchased. 78 of them were consumed. We had 96 cans of long drink. We had a few stray cans, more than that, but they may have been consumed before the party for the last couple nights before that. So we had 96 cans of long drink, all of which are gone. Our bartender was like, what is this stuff? Everyone keeps asking for it. I'm like, oh, how much time do you have? I could like launch into the whole long drink spiel. TheLongDrink.com. So, but it was, it was, uh, it was fun. We had a great time. The question is, how did producer Christine behave herself? And does the team, at least those team members who attended, Are they in agreement with my assessment? One other note, briefly, by the way, we did have, unlike years past, we did have the TV on in the main living room because of the championship games, SEC and then Big Ten. I don't like having the TV on during this kind of party, but if you're going to schedule a party 
on championship Saturday in college football, this is America and people are going to be interested. And we felt like we did not want to preclude the opportunity to watch the game and still hang out and enjoy the party. So we had it on. We had a few people who were fans of Georgia. Womp womp. As I mentioned earlier, and Alabama, we had a few Michigan fans there, maybe one Iowa fan. So they were grateful. I think that was a good on the fly decision. Now, Christine, among the gifts that she brought was a little Christmas tree ornament that is now hanging on our Christmas tree in our house. It is a little pony that says R.I.P. on it. She wrote R.I.P. on this pony. And, of course, this is Carousel the Pony, who has now been memorialized on our Christmas tree, which is a little bit macabre. It's a little bit ghoulish. But someone has to remember the legacy and memory of sweet Carousel. And I thought that that was was pretty funny. We posed for a few photographs there. And, Christine, apparently there were, admittedly, a few spills at this party. When you have 100 people in the house, someone's going to spill something. So there was a few glasses that shattered at one point. There was some red wine that went down onto a white couch, which was not ideal. They worked hard to get it out, and I think it's looking pretty good, actually. But whenever there was a mishap, apparently, producer Christine would put her hands up and shout, it wasn't me, to make clear that that was not her fault, although at one point... She did spill some of her booze on the ground, and Roy went and licked it up, my dog. And I will say, all day yesterday on Sunday, Roy was very out of sorts. He was exhausted. I think part of it was he was just overwhelmed, being loved by 90 people or whatever. Over the course of hours, he got so much attention, it overwhelmed his little doggy brain. And he needed a full day to recover. In fairness, I needed most of that day to recover as well. He just slept basically all day, but I think part of it was he was hung over because producer Christine got Roy drunk by spilling her booze all over the place. And Roy, for the first time ever, I mean, it was like, you know, he's five, so in dog years, what is that? I'm going to say early adulthood. Maybe this was his going off to college, trying alcohol for the first time with a bad influence. And he was struggling the next day. Producer Christine... Did you feed my dog alcohol on purpose or was it really a mistake or was this like a wink kind of mistake? Well, let's just say Roy and Auntie Cookie felt the same way yesterday. It was a rough go. But um, I, in fairness, did not mean to feed the dog alcohol. I was leaning down to pet little Roy and someone pushed into me and there went my white wine. And I have to say, I purposely... Oh, I think I took a roadie of red wine home, but I did not drink red wine. Right, Wyatt? I'm pretty sure I had a roadie, which I don't know if you're supposed to, but I did not drink. He's just he's just shaking his head. He doesn't want to comment on what I, may have happened in the Uber. I definitely fell asleep on him. <laughs> I definitely fell asleep what, on did him. Did you have like, did you pass out in your Uber clutching red wine in the back seat? Or is that red wine also gone? I think I did because when I woke up, there was like, you had the little red solo cups, right? We did. Yeah, I had one of those with some red wine in it on my nightstand. So I must have brought it with me. And I do know that uh, Bobby said that I was uh, shouting to the boys, we're going to a bar. And Bobby said, no, she's not. She is going to bed. (laughs) Good night, boys. (laughs) And that's what happened. You went to sleep. Were you the one that had to drive back to New Jersey the next day, or was that Bobby? Oh, no, no. Shape? Bobby would. Uh, Bobby does not. Um, Christine has a problem when she drives on highways. As Bobby always says, uh, Cookie likes to go 95 on 95, and uh, Bobby does not like that. So, no, usually when we're in the car together, Bobby is driving. So he drove. Because you're a lead foot. Yes, I have a heavy foot. So Bob drove. I slept. Max, I think, dozed off a few times on the way home. And then Bobby woke us up halfway through so we can get some uh, Burger King at the rest stop, which was delicious. <laughs> you cannot go wrong with Burger King. And then, uh, yeah, it was a quick ride home. It was a, an amazing weekend. You threw such a great party. It was so nice to see so many people. And it was funny because uh, Bobby said, 
do you know a lot of people here? And I said, I do, but they probably don't know me because when I book them, it's either through email or by the phone. We don't really see a ton of people. So every time I would, you know, say, hi, you know, I'm Christine. I'm Guy Benson's producer. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then it was like we were all best friends, which, duh, I knew was going to happen. Wyatt, Wyatt, I I have to ask Wyatt, did she try to book people at the party or did she maintain a healthy distance on that front? On that front, she did. On other fronts, I cannot comment. Like what, for example? Like what? Hypothetically. (laughs) I'm just going to say we all had such a great time and it really was such a great party and it was so great for everyone to be together after COVID and everything that's happened. It was just a, a really good time. It really was a lot of fun. I will say this. It's hard to pick a favorite guest out of so many and so many people that we loved and people just had a fabulous time and people were hilarious and telling stories and all this stuff. I have to give a special shout out to Dr. Nicole Sapphire's husband because for this reason, he and I don't know, but I think he had had a few glasses of wine or something, let's just say. And he was uh, feeling very generous, apparently. And he insisted that I am the spitting image of Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> the actor. Like He's like, no, no, I really mean it. You look just like him. And I mean, fact check, LOL. No. But he was like, oh, yeah, no, the face, your mannerisms. Like, I'm, I'm sure you've got those those abs. I'm like, oh, I assure you, I do not. But I told Dr. Sapphire, because he's also Dr. Sapphire, they're both doctors, but I told our Dr. Sapphire on the way out, I said, I will forever love your husband just for saying that. I don't care that it's not true. I will cling to that compliment probably for years, honestly. I'll be like, you know, people have told me. Many people are saying. (laughs) Anyway, all right, Christine, scale of one to ten, party-wise, and I know you're a tough judge because you're you're a party girl. How do you rank this one? Oh, that was a full 10, I have to say. It was really, wow. really fun. Bobby had the best time. My husband was very festive in his attire. Yes. Um, Kat, Kat Timps <laughs> came festive. Nicole Sapphire oh, yeah. came. And, oh, wait, wait, hold on. On a scale of 1 to 10, how classy was my outfit? I have to admit I don't remember. I don't. In fact, here, let me let me check my Instagram because I did post some photos, including of our little crew. We got some of the Fox people all in one photo, but not everyone because we didn't corral everyone at exactly the right time. So here's Molly Hemingway and Kat Tim, Katie Pavlich, Matt Finn. All right. Scrolling through here. Oh, yeah, that's that's a nice uh, a nice outfit for producer Christine. I applaud the outfit. If people are curious Here's Quiet Wyatt. I think he's hugging people, but behind behind those people, he's he's got a copy of the Wall Street Journal. He'd go out to the front porch just to read a few columns, come back in. Now, I have to say about— Have a sip of scotch. <laughs> I have to say— Because he was really feeling wild. Quiet Wyatt was a little partier this weekend. We we met up with him uh, for lunch on Saturday, Bobby and I, and he was uh, he was feeling tired because he was partying till almost two in the morning the night before. And he told wow. me he did a shot, which I was shocked about. Was that your first ever shot, Wyatt? No, I've done shots before. Wow, I right. was I was disappointed I didn't do any with Christine, but that's that's next year or next party. That's for the best shots. We did not need shots. I did. I mean, I ran to. through the numbers. We had more than enough alcohol consumed by the people. At this party, shots were not going to be necessary there. If you want to see these photos, you can follow me on Instagram. I also tweeted them. Same handle on both Instagram and Twitter, at Guy P. Benson. Uh, They're fun. Now I'm scrolling through and I'm sort of like jealous of us. I want to go and do it again. Hopefully next year. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. That was fun. Back to your regularly scheduled programming in our homestretch nonsense tomorrow. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you then. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Just a reminder, I'll be joining Brett Bayer and company on Special Report, part of the panel, coming up in the 6 p.m. hour Eastern time. So perhaps we will see you there. 
Here's a headline, and immediately I thought, wow, the media is finally getting around to covering producer Christine's wedding. Ten or so years later. New York Post, and of course, the New York Post uh, masters of the headline that can grab your attention. Bride passes out, vomits, and gets pooped on during disaster wedding. So I scrolled down with great anticipation. Turns out it was not producer Christine. It was a woman named Holly Darnell. And what happened was she started to feel unwell at the altar. She said that she passed out, puked, and got pooped on during their wedding ceremony. I kept trying to tell my husband, I don't feel good. He thought I was joking. Captioning a trending TikTok of her mid-marriage medical mishap. Apparently, it's on video. In the chaotic clip, which has drawn the attention of over 3.7 million viewers, a visibly wobbly Darnell is seen gripping her groom, signaling to him that she'd suddenly fallen ill just as the pastor began officiating their holy matrimony under a gazebo in Florida. She then fell limp into her husband-to-be's arms. Are you okay, he responded. After he and the pastor caught her, she shook her head no. The camera ultimately panned away from the barfing bride. You can still hear what sounds like her puking in the background while wedding guests and the efficient awkwardly talk amongst themselves, blaming the humidity for what happened. What it turned out to be, though, was she was very dehydrated. She hadn't consumed any liquid at all, no water, nothing, and had not eaten anything all day long. So then she had low blood pressure and low iron, and and the rest, I guess, is history. The thing that I was wondering, though, like, what happened to this uh, defecation part of the headline? Well... The disaster wasn't over yet. The New York Post in their story saying, unfortunately for Darnell, that wasn't the only incident involving bodily fluid on her wedding day. Quote, after I passed out, my sister had a fan on my baby nephew. So she came over to put that fan on me. And as she was holding my nephew, he started pooping. And the poop went down her arm and onto my dress. What a scene. They had a honeymoon planned in New York City. She was able to get her dress cleaned. And they basically tied the knot anyway. And now they've got a good story. So I guess she's being a pretty good sport about it. This is, I mean, you hear about wedding nightmares. Short of getting stood up, right? Where someone runs away and flees and decides that they want to break up. Or someone gets up and objects and the whole thing falls into total chaos. Fisticuffs. I was actually at a wedding recently where after we left, apparently there was a huge brawl, like big brawl, people screaming. They had to turn all the lights on, tables overturned, that kind of thing. I was long gone by that point in the evening. Thank goodness. That would be up there in terms of, uh, you know, the, the nightmare list. But to be standing, I remember when we were getting married, I was so nervous being up there in front of everyone. And I'm in front of people all the time. I'm on TV. That stuff doesn't really make me that nervous. But given the gravity of what a wedding is and everything, it was just a lot. We actually had Kennedy, our officiant and our dear friend, do all the reading involved, including we wrote letters to each other. She read both of them because I was not sure I could get through it without crying or getting emotional. So I was like, you do it. I just outsourced everything to Kennedy. But the passing out would be bad enough. Then the, uh, the throwing up in front of everyone, that's like strike two. And then overcomes the sister with the fan and the small child. And let's just cap this thing off with, uh, with that. Christine, do you have any reaction to this before we move on to another story that might be of great interest to you? This would have been my biggest nightmare. I remember thinking there's so many things that could go wrong, you know, leading up to the wedding and you can't control. And one of the two things I remember thinking I cannot control at all was A, the weather, and B, if I got any type of stomach bug. 
Because you can figure out a way to, you know, deal with a cold or if you had a headache or a migraine. But if you had some sort of vomit-inducing issue going into your wedding, there's nothing you really could do. And I remember. I think I would just want like a like a do-over. Like everyone, just stay where you are. I'm going to go have some water. I'm going to calm down. We're going to try to wash this dress off or whatever. We're just going to walk the aisle again. We're going to start all over. Because I don't know how you really recover from that. I guess there were like multiple things on this dress, like multiple, uh, I don't even know what to call them, I guess bodily fluids. So maybe you don't want to walk in again with, you know, with that on your person, right? You don't want to be wearing that as you walk down the aisle. Oh, the photographs must have been just not something you even want to, you know, because like, Mishaps happen at weddings, and you could say, oh, at least I went viral. It's kind of fun, but this isn't something you want to go viral yeah, yeah, for. She's leaning into it. The video, I started watching the video. I had to stop. I could not watch the whole thing. It made me too uncomfortable and feel too bad for her. But I guess, look, once it's already happened and there's no getting around it, I guess she just decided I'm going to embrace the nightmare and just own it. And we wish the very best to the happy couple. Meanwhile, Christine, I saw this story and immediately thought of you. Smoke-tainted California grapes get new life as vodka, or as you would say, vodka. After wildfires raged across California wine country last year, two companies joined forces to make sure smoke-tinged grapes didn't go to waste. So we were actually just out in Napa for our two-year anniversary, and they were telling us that many, many, many of the grapes from the previous season were just ruined. And some people there were telling us, oh, some folks will try to market this. Like, there are smoky notes. Like, no, it smells and tastes disgusting. It's like an ashtray. We cannot make wine out of this. Do you just throw away an entire crop of grapes? That's what a lot of people have chosen to do. But in this case... A wine company and a vodka company have teamed up to turn the altered grapes, according to The Hill, into an exclusive new vodka, Hangar One's Smoke Point Vodka, distilled from grapes and grain. And so they are going to try to turn this disaster into like a boutique round of vodka offerings. And I have to wonder... Is this something that you are inspired by, Christine, the ingenuity here? And also, are you so inspired that you're going to rush out and get some smoky vodka for an upcoming weekend or weeknight or weekday? So, yes, uh, I'm intrigued. And yes, I'm actually going to buy this because um, proceeds of the sale goes to the California Fire Foundation. So not only am I going to enjoy some different type of vodka, I'm helping out the state of California, and they need a lot of help. Let's be yeah, honest. It's, it's really for just many selfless. Reasons. I like, know. This I is mean, an act of charity. I really. I do what I can to help others. Um, and what's even better is they said there's no trace of smoke. It actually has sweet flavors of vanilla, licorice, and butterscotch. So I'm all in California. I'm on my way. With a peppery allspice finish. I'm not a vodka person at all. I don't like it. I can't drink it. It's maybe my least favorite hard liquor, but I know it's your go-to. We did not have it at the party, though. No, and you say that, but what do you mean you're – I mean, who says they're not a vodka person? Like what? Me. Yeah, but no. I just said it. But what's wrong with it? I mean, it it has to be It's like paint thinner. I I just – I do not like – the taste have you, at all. Have you never had like a sour apple martini or a Cosmo? I don't like martinis. What about a nope, Cosmo? Not a co- no. You and I are going to have a Cosmo night one night. No. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, we're going to try it. I have had vodka. I don't like it is the point. So you can, ha- you can have this, uh, what's it called? Uh, fire, like smoke tinged vodka. You can have all of that that you want. The only thing is. Don't do any renewal of vows right after all of your vodka consumption because you might end up like this other woman with a little uh, wooziness, a little collapse, a little emergency. And then, you know, Rosie could come over and do business. One has no idea what this could turn into. So I would just say 
Drink responsibly, as we always encourage people here on the happy hour, which you did for the most part on Saturday night. We will not be tweeting the photos of you in the Uber, which I was texted by Quiet Wyatt last night. We yeah, are not going to put a lot, those Wyatt. Yeah, out, out in public because I got that in, in all caps. Do not share these. <laughs> uh, that's good. I actually had a few people asking if we would put out the doorbell footage of you and Bobby bickering outside the house about whether you should enter without knocking. <laughs> and I think we're going to also withhold that. That's just, that's fun for the team. We get to enjoy that internally here at the Guy Benson Show. All right, Christine, sorry about the uh, refusal to try, what's it called, Cosmo? I'm just not going to no, do we're, it. We're, 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 just, we're, we're just starting out here. This is just a starting off point. We'll get you to do Cosmos. Don't worry. Maybe I'll have a Cosmo while you're having French onion soup since you have to pay out that bet, which you still haven't done. That could be an idea, but I don't feel like I should have to give you anything in exchange for you simply paying off a bet that you lost. And we're out of time. I could go into all of it, but it's on the record. It's on tape, and you owe us French onion soup. That's a fun way to end the show. Very confusing to people who don't know that backstory. Just trust me. She made a bet. She says she hates French onion soup. And she needs to pay up. See you tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. Special report on the news channel in the next hour. Have a great night. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com for the free podcast. So sometimes you'll see these posts online and they get shared on social media where people ask A-I-T-A, meaning am I the a-hole? I'm going to just censor myself because we're on the radio. And people paint a scenario that has at least ostensibly happened in their lives. And then the Internet judges who's the villain, who's the good guy, antagonist, protagonist, all that stuff. And I suspect a lot of these are embellished or made up. This one, I have no idea whether it's true or not, but I thought it was interesting. I sort of got a kick out of it. And it's at least plausible. So a young woman, age 30, asks, am I the a-hole for ruining Thanksgiving? And you all know how much I love Thanksgiving. So I was like, well, what did she do to Thanksgiving? So I had to read on. Here's the scenario. I'm just quoting from her post. She's a 30-year-old female. I met my boyfriend, 30-year-old male, three years ago. Before we were together, he was with his high school sweetheart. They fell out of love and they broke up. A year later, we started dating. His mom, however, was still heartbroken about it. I was very understanding and thought she needed some time to get to know me. The ex, the other girl, basically grew up with them, and they saw her as part of their family. For the first year of my relationship, his mom would call me his ex's name until the boyfriend once got angry and told her to be nicer. She laughed it off and said it was just a habit. All right, so you've got the mom here of the dude calling the new girlfriend by the old girlfriend's name. And oops, it was just a mistake, just a habit, claimed the mom. Then, after that, she started calling me the wrong name, Janet, instead of Jenny. She says these are fictional names just for the story. So the girl's name, for the purposes of this, is Jenny, but the mother of the boyfriend started calling her Janet. So the correct first letter, but getting the name wrong consistently. I corrected her a couple of times, but she seemed to enjoy hurting me, so I ignored it later. My boyfriend has two sisters. A couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, we were invited to a barbecue at the older sister's house. I was in the kitchen with my boyfriend's mom and the sisters and one of their husbands. The older sister then talked about how my boyfriend praised my cooking to her husband. And the mom, boyfriend's mom, was listening. Then she said out loud, sure, why don't we let Janet make the turkey this year? For Thanksgiving, the sisters giggled and looked at each other and said, that's a great idea. I never told my boyfriend what happened. So I guess the mother's sitting there hearing her daughters talk about how this girlfriend is a good cook. And this mother obviously doesn't like the girlfriend. So she suggests that, well, maybe she ought to cook our Thanksgiving turkey, calling her, of course, by the wrong name, Janet. And Janet, whose real name for the purposes of this is Jenny, agrees, but doesn't tell her boyfriend. Here's the conclusion of the story. On Thanksgiving, we went over to his mom's house. 
with the usual wine and dessert. She was shocked. Everybody was shocked. Where's the turkey? The girlfriend, Jenny, says, what? I thought Janet was bringing the turkey. There was yelling and crying, and we got kicked out. My boyfriend is so angry, he hasn't talked to me since. I think it's over, meaning the relationship, to be honest. But I still don't think I did anything wrong. Did I? Now, I don't know if this is true. Part of me wonders if that conclusion was a little on the nose. But given all the passive aggression from this mother to the girlfriend, for the girlfriend to turn it on its head and agree for the person with the wrong name that the mother insists calling her, that person is going to bring the turkey. She shows up basically empty-handed and calls out the mother for what is obviously a purposeful series of insults, calling her by the wrong name, saying, oh, I'm sorry, I thought someone called Janet was bringing the turkey. The whole dinner blows up. The boyfriend's mad. Again, I'm a little skeptical about this, but if it's real or close to real, as a strong Thanksgiving defender, I think I'm siding with the girlfriend because the mom is absolutely at fault here. I think it might have been a little bit much not telling the boyfriend and deliberately sabotaging everything, but that was also the point. The point was to make a very clear point to this woman and the rest of the family, you can only insult me for so long and I'm going to have my revenge and good luck with your Thanksgiving this year. I give this like maybe a 50% chance of being real. But again, I'm voting overall with the girlfriend. I don't know if I would have the stones to do what she did. I also don't know if I would have continued to tolerate a situation in which I was treated that way from a significant other's family. I might have found other ways to politely diffuse the situation or to push back sort of in increasing ways without letting it all simmer and then explode in a nuclear blast at a major family holiday, right? I'm not sure that was the most constructive or mature way for this to be dealt with. But again, if it's like, who's at fault or who's the a-hole, the mother's the a-hole and not having a Thanksgiving turkey is her fault. Christine, are you siding with the girlfriend here or the mom or, or splitting the difference? Well, I'm definitely not siding with the mom, but um, as a reasonable woman, and someone, guy, who doesn't let the day-to-day minutia just get her down. Uh-huh. I think that if I was in this woman's shoes, and I really enjoyed being a part of a relationship with this guy, I would have told him what was going on. And I would have said, hey, listen, I don't want to get hysterical here. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to do anything you know, vindictive. But here's the problem. And this is what yes. we're going yeah, to Yeah, you got to nip this at the bud at another point or at least address it a different way earlier. I'm not saying that this would be like a complete bill of health for the decisions made by the girlfriend. In fact, here's a thought. If this is what you want to do to make this impact, to really show how obnoxious the mother is being, why not cook the turkey, cook a great kick-ass turkey, by the way, because apparently she's a good cook, have it in foil, ready to go in the car, Show up, make your point, say, oh, we don't have a turkey. That was supposed to be Janet cooking the turkey. Have the mom melt down and then say, just kidding, we have the turkey. I cooked it because I know who you're referring to. But for the last time, my name is not Janet. My name is Jenny. I hope you understand the point. You could have made exactly the same point with the same impact and then showed up with one extra step, which is having done the job anyway and having done it well while still sort of rattling the cage in a major way. That would have been better than just like, oh, here's our wine and our dessert. Oh, what, were you expecting a turkey? Too bad, so sad, your fault. Maybe that's how I would have played it, or I would have counseled her to play it. Do you think this is real? I don't know. I, I leaning toward it's not real because I don't know. First of all, I just don't know who in their right mind as, a, as this whole family would have let Jenny be responsible for the turkey. Like the new girlfriend is going to be responsible for the turkey. Like, that's where the red flag yeah. for me came up. I honestly, I've had, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't think my mother-in-law ever did this, but I did have a boyfriend who I was dating for a few years and their family kept calling me the ex-girlfriend, like by name. And it was not fun. Wait, they would 
call you by the name of a previous girlfriend for years? Yeah, I can't even say it because this is so many years ago. They just kept calling me Amanda, Amanda. I'm like, oh my gosh, my name is not Amanda. And then it took me a while. They were doing it on purpose, weren't they? No, I don't think so. I don't, like, were I they, would be Were they at, blithering morons? I don't, I would be at, like, an event and, like, the, you know, sitting at a table, say, you know, like a party, and the aunt, one of the aunts would be like, hey, Amanda, and I'm like, oh, my God, and then I had to do some serious deep diving to realize that that was the ex-girlfriend's name, and that did not go over very well with Cookie. No, I mean, I just, it's so rude. If the aunt is calling you Amanda, why don't you just, like, refer to her as, like, Uncle Jeff? What is it, Uncle Jeff? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not your gender or your name? Let's uh, work to do the bare minimum here, which is getting my name right. After how many years in a relationship? I cannot imagine that was an accident unless they were like some of the slowest people you've ever met. I think this was passive aggressive. Mean. I think this happens a lot more than you think. Really? Yes, I really do. I think this happens a lot. This this just hit home when I was reading this earlier. I was like, oh, like I totally understand how she feels. But Could you just be like, you know what? I know names are hard. Just call me Cookie. <laughs> was that your nickname yet? Were you a cookie? No, yet, I wasn't cookie later? back now. I'm this was in my twenties. This was when I a young, a young cookie. But no, I was not cookie then. So it was and, and that was a long time ago. I knew you're okay. I'm done. I'm done talking. Actually, to you. you're you're not you're not quite done here, Amanda, because you did mention that on the call earlier, your house. This is totally changing subjects now, but because you had floated this on a previous home stretch, there's an update involving your home on Eyesore Lane. Is that correct? Yes the uh, the residents of Eyesore Lane are going to sorely miss me soon. Did that make sense at all? Kind of. I, I get what you're doing there. Thank you. <laughs> now that's because I'm gonna move. So- well, hopefully we're gonna be moving soon. We officially put our house up on the market. We feel like we 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 put a, a good price on this home. Price to sell. Uh, my real estate agent feels very confident. Wait, price to sell? I thought the whole point of this whole scheme was to get a huge windfall well, from so, this. Sale. Okay, so what we did? Okay, so here's the thing. What we did was we put it at like a a good price that's going to get people in to this um, open house this weekend. And then we're going to have a bidding war. Well, you hope, right? That's not necessarily how it works. I mean, do we need to send Wyatt there in a disguise just to make it seem like there's some competition, right? So like he just walks around with his Wall Street Journal being like, oh, I might make an offer today. Just whispering (laughs) it to, to random people. I mean, that could help. It's, it's, it's not a bad idea actually. To just to can even see I, how, how the open house is going. Can I make a prediction? I think if and when this house sells and you guys move out, that moving truck is going to drive away with the whole neighborhood gathered, waving goodbye, everyone dabbing their eyes with tears. And as soon as it turns the corner out of sight, block party. It's going to be like so. Martina McBride blasting, let freedom ring. That's going to be Eyesore Lane. There'll be a new name for the street. They can rename the street. All of your inflatables are gone. Well, it's it, that is the part I'm going to offer whoever does buy the home. Because I, I was walking up from the bus last night, and there's my house. And don't forget, I was the one that started the inflatable craze last year. And then there's a house next to me, the house next to me. Now, the fourth house has an inflatable. So I'm going to gift, because my mother, apparently, I don't know why she did not want the Santa inflatable. I'm going to gift it to the new homeowner so they can keep mm. the tradition alive. Yeah, I don't know about that, but good luck. I know that open houses can be exciting and nerve-wracking. I assume you'll be gone, right? You take off. Yes, they, the they asked us to, to leave. She asked me to leave, and then she said, please take Rosie with us. Yes. Well, I'm sure it's not the first time you've been asked to leave somewhere. So, I mean, this is this is something that you're used to, and it should be fine. We are uh, crossing our fingers that it all goes well. I know you're off on Friday. I'm actually also off on Friday, but you have to get ready for the big open house. So that is uh, major goings-on in the cookie household. It is on the market. New Jersey buyers, beware. You've got an opportunity here. All right, back tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Another big one ahead. In the meantime, have a great night. See you same time, same place tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
stretch here on the Guy Benson Show is it's about that time of year, getting to look and feel a lot like Christmas. And we are glad that you are here with us. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day. Follow us on social at Guy Benson Show, Twitter and Instagram. We get a lot of good stuff there. Info about guests. We post audio, sometimes photos, occasionally a poll. So we got into this in our meeting earlier today about how one decorates a Christmas tree when it comes to the lights. And I guess Quiet Wyatt got into, what, an argument about this recently or at least a spirited discussion? Yes, a very spirited discussion about how you decorate a Christmas tree when you're putting your Christmas lights up. So to me, what we always have done is you plug in the lights, which has a plug typically near the floor. So they light up because it is better to string the lights while they're illuminated so you can sort of see where you're going and if there's any spots that you've missed or whatever. So that would, to me, lend itself, that process, to starting at the bottom of the tree, then working your way up and up and up. Now, we have a tall tree. As you all saw at the Christmas party, it's over nine feet tall because we have high ceilings on our ground floor, like our main level. And so what we did, we had multiple strands. So we went all the way up to the top of the tree and then back down again with an extra emphasis on the front side of the tree where most people would see it. So that's how we did it, zigzagging back down after going fully around bottom up and then from the top down for like the remainder of those lights. That's, as far as I see it, just common sense. But apparently there are some sociopaths who for some reason start the lights at the top of the tree. I don't even know how you do that logistically. There's not a plug at the top of the tree. Well, unless you have a fake tree, which is a whole separate issue and its own problem. Wyatt, are you a bottom-up sort of guy on the Christmas tree lights? Yes, guy. It, I just, I don't understand how you, I mean, so I guess how I understand it is if you were going to do it from the top bottom, you would t- plug the lights in and strand them all the way to the top and then work your way down. But that just, it defies reality and, and physics of, of making Yeah, then you've got like work. that one weird vertical string of lights. Exactly. I guess going up the back, what's the point of that? I don't understand what the advantage is. I mean, it's not exactly. like the end of the world. I just don't get it. Are you a real tree person? 1,000%. It okay. has to be real, Good. mainly for the smell. I think that's right. The smell and just a few other things. I find in the home setting a plastic Christmas tree to be less than desirable. Now, some people have to do it for whatever reason. In public settings, right, where, you know, stores and restaurants, like, I get it. And some people love their fake Christmas trees. They swear by them. They say it's easy. It's much less expensive. You get one one time. It's the perfect height. You don't have to do a whole thing every year going to find one and I actually like that process. It helps me get into the mood of the season. Now, producer Christine, I'm going to guess that you're a fake tree person that does lights from the top down. So I am, of course, I'm a fake tree person. How can you put a real tree up in October? By the time Christmas rolls around, all the needles would be gone. That's why you don't start Christmas in October or November. You do Christmas at Christmas. Then you can have a real tree with all the smells of the Christmas tree and all the excitement of bringing it into the house and setting it up. No, but I have the sensicles, so it smells like a Christmas tree. I put those little things right into the tree. Fake. Smells delicious. Um, also, the tree is pre-lit, so we don't have to worry about stringing anything because it just pops on. The only thing that I wish my tree did have was the option. Isn't that sad? No. You just sort of truck something out of the attic, and you plug it in, and there's your little plug-and-play Christmas tree. Isn't that, doesn't that take some of the magic out of it? No, not at all. I love it. Ugh. I love it. And but the only thing I do wish, and I'm sure there's a tree out there. It's probably very expensive. I wish that I could go back and forth. Like, Bobby likes white lights on a tree, I would prefer colored lights on the tree. So I wish like there was a switch where, you know, like one night I could have the colored lights and one night he could have the white lights. Um, 
But as for now, we just have the white lights. We only do white lights. Oh, I saw. Yeah, it's it's the classy, classic look. Mm-hmm. That's the way that we go. There's a place for different color Christmas lights, right? I don't hate them in all contexts. I don't. Just for my particular aesthetic, I but, like well, the what, white. What is an aesthetic? I mean, listen, clean. your home... Your home is lovely, and walking into your home, you, you had some lights on outside, but those were like everyday lights. You could you could keep those up year-round. I didn't see what was so festive and what was Christmas-like about that. Now, if you come no, to having, my— Having lights on my trees and on the roof line, that's a Christmas setting. I would not have those year-round. You could, you and you should. A, no, it would look ridiculous. No. It would look— Ridiculous. Why does he have Christmas lights on in April? We would never do that, ever, ever. Those are Christmas lights. That's why. And then they get turned off January 2nd. Done. And then we start to consider them again ahead of Thanksgiving, and we light them up after Thanksgiving, preferably December 1st. So that's the Christmas for That's the Christmas season for lights, in my opinion, and just for other things like music, et cetera, as well. You came to the party, Christine. You walked, you saw the house all illuminated outside. Then you came inside. You saw the tree dead center straight ahead. Did you look at that and say, oh, gosh, I don't, it's not colorful enough. And it's too real. It smells too authentic. I wish it were plastic and pink. No, I did not think that, Guy. But I also don't think when I walk into my home that I stare at my Christmas tree and think, ugh. It's so tacky. Or I don't look at my C9s outside that are multicolored and think, ugh, that's tacky. I think it looks really fast. What's a C9? Oh, those are the big bulbs. Remember the old school? Like I told Bobby. Oh, okay. We have to have the big bulbs. I was thinking more about C4. I take some C4 to your blow-ups and literally blow them up. I got inspired there for a second. By the way, we were thinking about having, and by that I mean Christine was pitching herself to go be our correspondent our chief christmas tree correspondent this evening earlier this hour with the relighting of the new christmas tree out front in new york because i'm in dc at the tony snow studio cookie christine works out in new york city so she wanted to go down with her cell phone and cover quote unquote the new tree lighting after the previous tree was burned down as we mentioned earlier the guy who burned it down has already been released they didn't even hold him on bail because of these reforms quote unquote in new york So I hope he doesn't come back and do it again because he's just out there and he told the police that he was obsessed with the idea of burning it down. I don't know if that obsession just goes away, but hopefully this tree is uh, protected now. Christine wanted to be there for the for the lighting of it. I think she would probably not be chief Christmas tree correspondent, more like maybe chief eggnog correspondent here at the show. In fact, I had repurposed some song lyrics earlier. And we bumped in on the broadcast, if you're listening live on the show, with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. I had reimagined that song, that classic Christmas carol, which is stumbling around the Christmas tree. Right? That's That would be Christine's version of it. Stumbling around the Christmas tree, it's a super drunk cookie. Right? Something like that. You like that, Christine? No, I don't. And you are denying me... The chance to be your chief reporter. Hit it, Josh. This is Christmas Cookie here, Guy Benson, and I'm reporting live from the GB Chopper One right over the Fox News brand new tree. Wouldn't wouldn't that sound amazing? There was no discussion of a helicopter. I feel like you always need a chopper in the background. (laughs) To do reporting? Yeah, I don't know. I always like I, I like the chopper sound. You know, it sounds more official, don't you think? I don't know, because you said you wanted to report from the ground, which is the opposite of from the air. Plus, I can sort of imagine you having a little bit too much of a tipple of the eggnog and leaning out to see the tree. And, oh, down goes Cookie. Cookie is now impaled on the new tree. That's what would happen. And we'd have a huge HR nightmare with so much paperwork. No, this was the right call having you watch it with the rest of the country on the five safely multiple floors away. I also didn't quite understand what the plan would have been because it would have just been like people saying things in the background 
and you on your cell phone, were you going to like go up to people and just try to interview them? Yes. And like As put I was your going cell to. phone, like your, your iPhone, like in their face to get comment? I was also thinking, you know, I could have figured out how to get into the shot on TV and then like wave to you and be like, oh my gosh, our show is on TV and radio. I had a lot of ideas. And for some reason, you put me on air every day to make fun of me. <laughs> tell everybody how much I like to drink. Tell everybody I'm a psychopath, that well, I have no taste, that I I'm- use psychopath often only occasionally that i'm hysterical they're trying to like slip into the into the camera shot on the five see that right there i think is a problem like you got lawrence jones out there with abby hornacek and all the big wigs at fox then all of a sudden just out of nowhere you get this grinning cookie shows up with a santa elf hat and a little uh little nip of something in her not so secret actually that she brought along I actually do have a Santa uh, headband Josh don't you see it right there um and I, I was going to put that on to be festive but you denied uh-huh. me I don't understand you you let me come on air you make fun of me all the time the one time I want to be a serious reporter and really bring the news to you you deny me maybe we could have allowed it if only you went down there dressed in a hot dog costume which is your go-to serious reporter, hard-hitting man-on-the-street attire. But then the problem would be, like, you'd bump into, like, a top executive, right? Like the Murdochs or something would be there. You'd be like, oh, hi, I'm Cookie. I work for Guy Benson. That'd be the end of my career. we gotta, we got to keep Cookie away from high-risk situations. Starting to know my place on this show. Executive producer? Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Whoops. All right, we are out of time. we got to get out of here. But I will say let's do a Twitter poll on the lights. Do you go from the bottom up decorating your tree or the top down? I feel like it's got to be a huge majority for bottom up. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just, like, out of touch. Usually, though, I've got my finger on the pulse. At Guy Benson Show on Twitter. You can go vote. Lend your voice to this crucial debate, America. And we will take your responses under advisement. In the meantime, I'm off tomorrow. I will likely join the show, but won't be hosting. Harry Hurley will be in here. I'll be back on Monday. Big show tomorrow, though. All the breaking news, we've got you covered. Same time, same place for The Guy Benson Show. Have a great night. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.